Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by teaching pastor Daryl Feaster. Pray for Corey and Rachel, and what a great idea. Help them out with names and get involved. Well, I'm the teaching pastor at New Covenant Church. And so this morning I want to teach you something. How about that? Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Last week, Pastor Chris shared with you the job of a pastor. And um, he looked at Ephesians 4. And then we talked about, wasn't that an incredible message about what God is doing in the lives of his leaders? And, and this morning, I want to talk to the rest of us. Last week, his title was, What's My Job? This morning, I want to talk about what's your job. I always like to tell people what they need to do. Don't you? I'm excited about this because I think uh, I'm praying for clarity and revelation. You know, the whole idea is, what's God up to in the church? What does he want? Why are are we here? What, What is it really all, why is it all that important? And I just want to be honest with you, for most church people, and I'm talking about church people, for most church people, church has become more of a habit than a ministry. We tend to go to church like we go to school or like we go to work. It's something we do to get done, to get it over with, to get through it. It's necessary Like school, you know, you need an education if you're going to make it in life. It's necessary like work. You can't make it in life without making a living. And with church, sometimes we have the idea, which is not right, but we have the idea that, well, I need church, so I'll go to heaven when I die. That's to totally miss the point about why there's a church and what the church is up to. Why people gather together. It, it's not a place we just go. It's not just a thing we do. Well, then why the church? Why be a part of it? Why is all of it that important? What am I supposed to do? Those are important questions, and there is an answer. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. I want you to show you the church is here Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or complete man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The church is here. The message says it this way. The church is here until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, Fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. The supreme matter, the, that which God is after above everything else is to produce in this present world men and women who are developing to express the character, the power, and the glory of Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you what that means. Let me just read it to you. God wants His church filled with ordinary men and women who are themselves expressions of the extraordinary integrity, temperament, wholeness, compassion, individuality, boldness, 
righteousness, earnestness, love, forgiveness, selflessness, power, and faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And you say, well, that's all? That's all they want? Is that all? Yeah, that's all. Well, how's he going to do it? How's he going to do it? The church. God's plan to get his life throughout the whole earth is his church. Well, how in the world can this happen? Ephesians 4.11 And he, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, how many of you have ever heard of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Anybody heard of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? You know, we, we make a big deal about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How many of you have heard about the gifts of Jesus? What we just read are the gifts of Jesus to his church. Jesus himself has given gifts to the church. Look what they are. Some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And here's the thing, and I want you to note the word some. He gave some. And what that means is not everybody, not all. In other words, there's a few apostles, and there's a few prophets, and there's a few evangelists, and there's a few pastors and teachers. In other words, the whole point is, what we've done in the church is we've made them the spectacular. We've even called them offices. I'm not sure Paul didn't call them offices. We've put terminology on it that God didn't put on it. These are gifts, and that's what God calls them. Paul calls them, Jesus himself gave Gifts. He gifted the church with apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Some. A few. We've made them the center of attention, but the center of the attention is why the gifts were given. And that's verse 12. These gifts, Jesus gave these gifts to the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ... Four, four, four. There was a purpose. All five of these gifts have the same service. They do the same thing. They do it differently, but they are, they have the same purpose, the same work, and that's to equip the saints. Well, how? The apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers all have to do with the Word of God. Jesus himself said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If you understand it, Pastor Chris is a gift to New Covenant by the Lord Jesus himself. He's gifted New Covenant with... Equippers, pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, apostles, some. They are here to equip the body, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Well, how do they do it? The work is to equip us with the Word of God. Now listen, we're not to equip counselors, we're not to equip 
uh, things about uh, philosophy and psychology and stuff. It's the Word of God. It's rightly dividing the Word of God and applying it in such a way that it becomes understandable and undertakeable. Is that a word? In other words, not only am I to know it, I'm to do it. It's something that I come to understand in order that I might accomplish. God meant the body, the church, to become the equipping station of the saints for everything he wants to do in this world. It's pretty important. They do it. Their work is with the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that, in order that, the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. How many of you, when you read man of God, you think of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher? Do you know who the man of God is in this scripture? You. You're the man of God. The word of God was given to equip you to be complete, thoroughly furnished for every good thing God has intended. You're the man of God. You say, well, I'm a woman. Well, you're the woman of God. The whole point is, we make the emphasis on the apostle, prophet, pastor, and teacher. When God makes the emphasis, they're here to equip the saints. Well, what's the equip? Equip equip means to make something or someone completely adequate or sufficient for something. The basic idea is that of putting a thing into the condition in which it would ought to be. In other words, to get it in shape. Any of you need to get in shape. Just me. No, there's three or four others. How many of you are in the shape you always wanted to be? Nobody volunteered with that one. The whole point is this, that the the equipping is to get you into the place that you were intended to be, to be what you were intended to be, and to do what you were intended to do. Equipping, the first time the word, this Greek word is used in Scripture is when Jesus is walking along the seashore and he comes along Peter and John and they're mending their nets. And the word mending there is they were equipping their nets. They were equipping their nets. They were preparing them. They were uh, untying the knots. They were getting the things out. They were getting the nets back in shape for action. They were preparing it and getting it ready for fishing. Now, I love the thought of that. Jesus walking along the seashore and he sees them equipping their nets. He's, he's, they're fixing, they're untying, they're untangling, they're getting it spread out, they're getting it ready for the job. And Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you equippers of men. You can get them ready for action. You can do it. That's what I will do. I'll make you equippers. Fixers. The word also means the the idea of putting things in order or adjusting things that are out of adjustment. It's like the literal, the word was used in the medical field for the setting of broken bones and putting them back in place. 
Equipping means making them into what they ought to be ready for action. That's why Pastor Chris is here. That's why the pastors and the teachers, that's why your, your life group leaders are teaching you. They're, they're equipping you. The Word of God is that which enables us to become what God's intended us to be. And it says equipping the saints. And some of you think that leaves you out. Well, I'm no saint. My wife's told me. But the word saint here simply means one set apart by God for a special purpose. If you've been saved by grace through faith, God has set you apart from all that you have done and all that you were and dedicated you to the worship and the purposes of the kingdom of God. You are a saint according to scripture. You say, well, I don't feel like a saint. You're a saint. How many of you sometimes you don't feel saved? You know, you weren't saved by your works of righteousness. You were saved by the blood of Jesus. So for God, what he calls you is a saint. You're a saint. And the, the, the minister, that not, isn't that sad? I just used the wrong word. The equippers are here to equip the ministers. The ministry for the work of ministry. They are to equip you for the work of ministry. And I love this. The work of ministry literally is spiritually empowered service. That's what ministry is. Pastors are not the ministers. The saints are the ministers. That's what scripture says. Pastors are the equippers. Now, pastors are saints too. Believe me. In other words, we need to be equipped, we need to be prepared, we need to be placed, we need to be get back into order. We need the same thing that all saints need, but yet God has called us and put us in a place where we become equippers too. But when, in other words, when I'm in the, in the place like this of teaching, I am an equipper. But when I'm at home, I'm a saint, aren't I? What I want you to understand is one of the reasons the church is in such bad shape is because the ministry is being done by pastors rather than the saints. You're the ones who are spiritually empowered for spiritual service. You're the greater. I want to tell you this morning, this morning in God's sight, you're more important than I am. Now, I'm important too. But in God's sight, what's going to get this out, what's going to make this work is not preachers in a pulpit, but saints in life. He's equipping you for the spiritually empowered service. That word service is diakonia. We get our word deacon from it. It's to voluntarily give yourself in the service of another. You're the minister. D.L. Moody said this. It's better to put ten men to work than to do the work of ten men. And we all say amen. But let me ask you, which is the harder? It's harder to train ten men to do the work than it is to do the work of ten men. 
It's a lot harder. You see, when you're doing the work of the ten men, it all depends on you. When you're training ten to do the work, it all depends on them. It's better to train ten to do the work than to do the work of ten. But it's harder. Because what we tend to do, it's a lot easier. How many of you, it's just easier to do it yourself. I just don't have to mess with the mess. Guess what? When you do it yourself, you've, you've cut out everything God wanted to be done to only what you can do. The ministry is voluntarily giving yourself in service to another. Now, that's totally foreign to the audience Paul is writing to, and let's because it's Greek. It's also totally foreign to our culture, too. You see, in Paul's day and in our day, we kind of have the idea the goal before a man was the development of his own personality and his own personal worth. In other words, you want to get to the place that you're the boss and not the servant. That makes what Jesus said so diametrically opposed to what life is like. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 20, verse 27. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, same word, but to serve, same word, and to give his life a ransom for many. You remember in John chapter 13 when Jesus, he got his supper, Lord's Supper was prepared. Jesus stooped down and he took off his robe and he put, girded his loins, it says, with, with a towel. And he washed his disciples' feet. That was the work of a slave. It was a menial task. And Jesus, the Lord, the master of everything, bent down and washed, his, washed the feet of the disciples. And then he asked them this question, do you understand what I've done? This is what I want you to do for one another. You see, service, now I want you to listen to me. I was raised in a denomination which the motto of the denomination was you're saved to serve. In fact, I was so, that was so much that I didn't know if I was saved if I wasn't serving. And so they were, you, there was always a job you were supposed to be doing. And I began to have the idea that service was an obligation and a duty, not a relationship. And I want to tell you this morning that service is not an obligation or a duty. It's a love relationship with the one who bought you with a price, his own blood, and put you into his kingdom and he's given you a place and an opportunity. And you have the authority and the right and the enablement to serve the Lord by serving others. It's a position. It is the highest calling. We think ministry takes place in a building on Sunday or Wednesday. Ministry takes place every day where you are living life. You see, ministry is not in a job at an institution called the church, but it's an attitude that leads to spiritual service. It's the practical outworking of God's love, especially towards others. You serve not out of obligation or out of duty, but out of a choice to place yourself available for the Spirit of Jesus to live His ministry through you toward others or the task He's given you to do. I serve Connie, my wife. Not because I have to, but because I love her and I have a desire to meet her needs. 
It's an attitude of love that acts accordingly. She washes my drawers. Not because she has to. I've had empty drawers before. That didn't make sense. Not out of obligation or duty, but because of our love relationship. She, she's my barber. And she hates it. She, she would rather me go spend 20 bucks for a haircut. I'm thinking with a, with a do like this, who wants to spend 20 bucks? All you need is clippers in a hand. She can't mess it up. And she cuts my hair every week. Not out of obligation or out of duty, but because she loves me. Service is an attitude of love built in relationship with the one who loved you first. Because you serve others because somebody loved you. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom. That life was for you. Now we get the opportunity to show Jesus to the world by out of a love relationship with him to serve those around us. It's not an obligation. You don't have to. In fact, the moment you make it into a have to, it becomes not service. It becomes a job. And guess what? If it's a job, you get credit for it. And most of us want to get paid for it. The whole point I'm trying to say is this whole thing of ministry is, is an opportunity to literally become the outflow of the love of God into the world in which we live. It's the practical outworking. It may be menial. It may look like it's nothing, but it's everything in God's sight and it's everything in the people's sight that's being served. I love what Corey and Rachel are going to do has nothing to do with them getting credit. It has to do with serving the needs of people with the love of Jesus. It's a choice. It's an attitude for the edifying of the body. It's the construction term. That word edify, build up, is a construction term. In other words, it's a term that says this is the way that things fit together. It, you, you, They equip you for the work They equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the placement and the putting together. If you've ever noticed how a rock wall is built, it's it's placed, it's arranged, it's 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 put in place in order that it might be what it was intended to be, and that's the whole idea of of edifying. It's putting everything in place so that it fits and becomes what it was intended to be to function the way it's intended. Paul's not talking about building the attendance on Sunday. The issue is not quantity of saints. It's quality of saints. Saints equipped for the work of spiritual service. Ephesians 14, until we're we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. God wants a church filled with ordinary men and women who live and love like Jesus Christ. Fully developed, fully alive, fully spirit-filled humanity. Let me ask you, isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you want to be? Fully alive, 
Don't you want to be what God created you to be? To be, to be what God intended you to be? To be able and equipped to be and do and fit right where you're supposed to fit and for the purpose of the kingdom of God. That's what we want. That's what the church is for. That's why it's here. God has brought a group of people together in order to put them as living stones in a wall of His love. In a sea of relationships in order to touch a community that needs to see Him. A world. So how do we do it? I'm going to tell you what your job is. You ready? Your job. Three things. I've got 15 minutes. Number one, be available. That's your job. Be available. Now listen to me. God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. He's looking for availability. God can take the available and make it able. And here's the thing I want you to come to to understand. That when God gives you a word, He's not giving you a command to do. He's giving you an empowerment to do it. With the Word comes the power, the enablement, the Spirit to do what He's saying. I I used to think when God gave me a promise, man, I have to finish that. And then I realized when God gives a promise, He performs it. He just wants to participate with me. So when God gives you a command, it is so that He will enable you to do it. Let me give you a scripture for that, John 15, 5. Without me, you can do nothing. So, if God gives you a command and without Him you can do nothing, guess what the command? You've got to believe the one who's commanding is the one who's going to live in you to do it. That's what equipping is for. Equipping is to tell you this is not about you doing it. It's about Him doing it through you. Yes, you're participating. Yes, you're doing it. But but it's Him doing it. Because when He does it, He gets credit. How many of you have ever done something and God has shown you the reward of it? And you think, whew, I didn't do that. I knew that wasn't me because I'd have messed it up. God's up to something. He's equipping you to do the work of the ministry. Your job is to be available. That in place implies faithful. Here's the thing. So much of the time we don't want to do something until we really know how. We don't want to do something until I'm not going to make any mistakes. Guess what? Faithful doesn't mean you won't fall. Faithful means when you fall, you'll get up. You want a scripture for that? Proverbs twenty four sixteen. The godly man, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Folks, if one thing can take you out, you're not going to be faithful. Let me tell you, the enemy will put enough stumbling blocks in front of you. The moment you become available, the enemy's going to put stumbling blocks. Here's the thing. God's going to use every stumbling block to build faithfulness in you. What the enemy meant for evil, God turns to good. Be available. (laughs) How many of you, when you're asked to do something, first answer is no? You're not available. Number two, got to go on. Be teachable. Love the learning. 
The reason God wants to equip you is so that Ephesians 4, 14, and 15 might be true, that you no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. Proverbs 1, 5 says, A wise man here will hear and increase learning. In other words, a wise man will listen and increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Folks, whether you like it or not, you didn't learn everything you need to learn in kindergarten. You didn't learn everything you needed to learn when you went to vacation Bible school. You didn't learn everything you needed to learn when you had spent 20 years in church. Love the learning. God's unfolding. God's revealing. Psalms 24, 4 says, Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me all day long. I put my expectation in you. Are you teachable? Are you available? Are you teachable? So I put down some questions. Are you teachable? Are you willing to listen more than talk? I want your wife to answer that. <clears throat> Do you respond or react? <laughs> Do you make excuses or do you confess? Am I teachable? Do I want information so I'll have an answer or do I want truth so I'll be transformed? Am I teachable? Do you have to be right? That's to you, Luther. I saw her looking at you. Not really. Number three, be a minister. Be a spiritually empowered servant. Now, I want you to listen to me. That's the highest calling in the body of Christ. That's the highest calling. Philippians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul introduces himself, a bond slave, a servant of Jesus Christ, and an apostle. His first place is a servant of Jesus Christ. Be a minister. Mark 10, 42. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this, in this world lorded over the peop, their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those who are under them. But among you it will be different. Church needs to hear that. You're not here, listen to me, you're not here to obey flippantly somebody giving you orders. You're here to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. You're here to take the highest exalted place God has. We in the church sometimes have turned this around. The leaders are not to be the top talking down. The leaders are to be the bottom holding up the highest calling. Equipping those who are going to carry out the ministry and change the world. And I want you to understand, you build on the shoulders of those who are equipping you. I can tell you, I ain't your boss. You've got one a lot bigger than me. His name is Jesus. 
And he's going to empower you to do everything he's called you to do. My job is to let you know you can do it. And equip you. Build you up. Put you in place in order that you can be what you've always wanted to be. Out of love, your love relationship. Now, that last verse says, Who, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Out of your love and relationship with Jesus, start serving. Start in your family, in your workplace, here in this church. Get involved in the work of the ministry. That is where you'll get equipped and grow. Remember, it's not your ability, it's your availability. It's a choice first. Everybody matters. You matter in the work of the Lord. Verse 16 says, From whom, meaning Jesus, from Christ, the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying or the construction of itself in love. New Living Translation says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And there's a part here that I, that I knew it, but I've missed it so much of the time. And this week, God just really brought it out and said, A joint. A joint. And we're not talking about marijuana. <laughs> a joint. Every, all the kids' eyes looked up at me when I said a joint. A joint. No, I'm just kidding. About five years ago, uh, I was helping my daughter. Uh, they were doing, we was moving beds or doing something, and I'd gone out to my truck and got into the back of my truck, got my toolbox open, and I got out of drill, and I was going to step. I'm so athletic. I stepped off the, the, the tailgate of the truck and rolled, fell and rolled in the yard. And in doing so, I injured my shoulder, my right shoulder. You know, it really wasn't bad. It was just a little injury. That lasted five years. Just a little, you know. And it never really showed up until I wanted to do something. You know, you don't hurt until you try to do something. And so, went through there. And I really believe God healed me. But the whole point I'm trying to say is, the joint is where two members come together. In order to do the work of the body. The, the supply is in the joint. Between the two. And the growth happens where the two come together and join to do the work. I want you to understand the way God intends the body to work is that we work together. That we're joined. You know, let me tell you, it's a lot easier to do it by yourself. But growth happens when you do it with somebody else. That's why life groups, we believe, are important. That's why getting involved in children's meetings, getting involved, is when you're doing it with somebody else, you're having to put up with them. You're having to find another way. Your way is not always right. You're having to deal. And, 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 and as you are in that coordination that joint there is the supply that is constructing the body and to be what God intended it to be every joint supplying what it's supposed to every part doing its share that's why the church is here and I'm going to say this out loud if all you're doing is attending church to check your box so that you can get on with your life, you're missing the best part of church. 
We have written on one of our walls out here, 2 Corinthians 3, 6. But I want to read you 2 Corinthians 3, 5 and 6. It says, it's not that we think we're qualified to do anything on our own. I'm not asking you to do something on your own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers, service, spiritually empowered servants of this new covenant. Of his new covenant. This is a covenant not written of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. I'm inviting you to step into life. The life God intended. That you become everything you always wanted to be. That you become the evidence of the kingdom of God in your house, in your job. In your church. That's what we're here for. You are in full-time ministry. You have been bought with a price. The price is blood of Jesus. You've been set apart for a divine purpose. To show forth the praise and glory of God. You've been enabled by the very Spirit of God who indwells you. You're the evidence of the kingdom. Our purpose, we've said it many times, is to invite all people to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ. I want to show it to you. We invite all people to Jesus Christ. Let me show you this. We can equip you to know it. We can equip you to know God. We can equip you to know what God's called you to do. We can equip you to understand and to undertake. We can equip you there. We can equip you to hear what God is saying. We can equip you to hear the voice of God, to know how to to recognize the voice of God. Here's the one thing we can't equip you. We cannot equip you to respond. That's your choice. Only you can choose to respond to what God wants to do. That's your job. Be available. Be teachable. Be a minister, a spiritually empowered servant of Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, I praise you and I thank you that you are the God who put it all in place and in order, in order to equip us to become what we've always wanted to be. And it's amazing how easy it is to think that other things are more important, to think that other, that money, that time, that some, somehow. And Lord, we get so miserable in those things because we miss being equipped what we were created to be. And that is your son and daughter conformed to the image of Jesus, evidence in this world that you're alive and well and you'll change our lives. Father, I pray this morning, I pray for response by willingness to be available, to be teachable, and to respond to be a minister of Jesus Christ. Father, make it so in our lives. Reveal. Help us to know that people are not out to put us in a position so that we got somebody to babysit. We're in to put you in a place where you will grow up into what God intended you to be. God, whatever you want to do in our lives, speak to us. Help us to step into it. Make it real. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have ministry teams available. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We have ministry teams available. I'd love to pray with you. Let me just say, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Are you available? Are you teachable? Will you respond to Him? And let me tell you, it's not about being a part of it. There's, there's places you can serve here, but let me tell you what. It starts at home. It starts at home.
starts in your workplace. God wants to make a difference in this world, not just in a building. We invite you to get involved, to grow up into all things that you might be what you've always wanted to be. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.